You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Really curious which elders throw cookies on the ceiling. Done. Sorry, that was just a question that every one of you was thinking, and so I wanted you to have the answer, um, so you were focused on the, the word and the passage. So, uh, well, good morning. How are you all doing? Really? Are you? Did someone just say boo? Was that you in the back? I heard it. Uh, this is all the third thoughts in my head. Um, well, I'm excited today. The elders have given me a chance to recap all of um, my greatest hits so uh, I'm going to take time to probably, I don't know how many, maybe 100 plus sermons over the last six years, and I'm going I'm to do all of them. Is that okay? We're, we're good with that? All of them. Um, some good, some not great. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually really excited to jump into Thessalonians. So we're going to be um, First Thessalonians 2, and we're just going to be on verse 13 today. And I love it because as I thought about the idea of giving a sermon that will be kind of the last of my, my season as a pastor at Westwood Church, to be able to exhort to you guys as the church, to leave you with something to go forward with that I so deeply believe in and believe that as followers of Jesus, this is something we need to hold on to. But it is also one of the things that, that we have a hard time with. And when you realize what Paul's talking about in this verse, you're like, wow, how, why do we have a hard time with that? And that's a great question. That's a great question because it's about the word of God. It's about this book right here. And you think, well, this is it. Like, this is what we are here for. This is what has kind of shaped the reason we gather. Um, it is what we are challenged to be in, like, every 10 minutes a day. Let's get in the Word 10 minutes a day, or whatever it may be. It all kind of points back. So why is it such a, a challenging uh, a point or a challenging book or a challenging part of our faith to just really sit on? And I think there's some things that, that trip us up along the way. And, and Paul kind of leans in as he's encouraging the Thessalonians to, to see what God is doing in them. He's, he's uh, being thankful for where they are. And then he's sharing his ministry. Like, this is, this is what I've gone through, and this is what I believe in, and this is about the gospel, and I want to continue to exhort this into you because you guys are living this well. And I love that. To have a guy like Paul look at the church and say, good job good job. You're doing this well. Keep it up. Keep moving forward. This, this rhetoric and this world and this chaos that is around you, you're thriving in the middle of it for the gospel. Keep moving forward. And that's my heart for y'all today. That in the midst of the chaos and the rhetoric and everything of this world, that God is doing something, and I want to encourage you to continue to move forward. But we've got to be aware of some things. I really believe awareness is one of the key things that we need to have in our emotional intelligence bank. If we're not aware of what's going on around us, we're going to struggle in life. We're going to struggle in relationships. We're going to struggle in our leadership. We're going to struggle in our marriages. We're going to struggle in friendships. We're going to struggle at our jobs. We're going to struggle as parents. If we're not opening ourselves up to be fully aware, lifting our eyes up and seeing what is around us, and that's a tough thing. So open up your Bibles uh, to 1 Thessalonians. I have been working so hard in saying that book's name right because I always usually stumble over the triple S's in there. Um, but we're going to be, again, in chapter 2, verse 13. It's quick and sweet and to the point. 
And Paul writes this, again, after he's encouraging them, after he's talking about his ministry, what he's about, this desire for them, he comes to this word and he says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. He leans into this idea of the word. And so let's look at the word. You kind of do word studies on this. The word is logos. You've heard that word probably a lot if you've been in the church at all. Honestly, especially under Pastor Key's teaching because he's, he's such an incredible mind about the word and about the Bible. And he brings that up often. So there's this word logos that is there. And it's a noun. It's kind of pointing to something. But there's a cool thing about that word. It's, a, it's called an accusative word, which means it's a direct object It's not just a word. It's not just a general idea. It's not this ethereal thought. It's not just an ideology. It is the word. And so if you look at it, like this is the building for Westwind Church. So this is the house that I live in. You're pointing at something that is tangible, that is right there in front of you that you can sink everything into. So this is the word of God. It's not a word about God. It is the word of God. And if you dive into a little bit more and understanding the meaning behind it, there's a few things that stood out to me that I was reading through some of the definitions that I just love. It's the sayings of God, that these are the words of God, that God spoke these words to us. It's a mandate. This isn't something just to be taken lightly, just like, oh, that was good. That was really nice. It's, it's not your elementary kid's poetry program or, or project that's like, that was, that was good. You, did, you rhymed really well. You know, it's not that. It is a mandate. This is what we are called to follow after, to know who God is. That, that there's moral precepts right here that to live morally, this gives us the exact pathway to run on. We know what it is to follow after Jesus because he's given us his word on how to do that. It's a declaration. It's a pronouncement, a promise of truth, of hope. It's all right here in this book. And I love this last one. It's something that has weight. That has weight. That when we hold and when we read and when we dive and when we meditate, when we do everything around this word, it should carry weight for us, meaning that it should have an impact on us. We can't just open this Bible and go, well, let's see what happens here. I gathered them to the river that runs to Ahava. All right great, I'm good. And you, it has to carry weight. We have to understand it and know it and read into the context of how the authors are writing and what's going on in their culture. We have to carry the weight of what God desires for us because he's giving his word, his word, this direct object, his words to us for a purpose, to use it to transform who we are, but ultimately to use it through us so that we can help be a part of leading others to know Jesus, to come back to this beautiful relationship with God. It has to carry weight. If you read your Bible and you don't walk away going, oh, that's good, or that's heavy, or ah, I got to chew on that for longer, we might be missing something in the moment. The word of God carries weight for us. And I love that. But sometimes we just kind of breeze through it. We do our 15 minutes a day. 
we open up the Bible app and we, we listen to whatever guy or girl is on there encouraging us with the word of the day through the verse of the day, which is amazing. Don't get me wrong. I love that. I, I listen to those too for that encouragement. But if we just breeze through it on our, our commute to work or while we're brushing our teeth and we don't really carry and feel the weight of the word, man, I just feel like we're missing something. And church, I don't want us to miss something. And I believe that's what Paul's encouraging and, 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 and being grateful for with the Thessalonians. He's saying, you guys feel the weight of the word. You look at this and you un understood what it means for you. That even in the chaos of all of the stuff that is going on around you, in this world that is everyone's trying to fight against you, lead you away, that are trying to create a word for something else, they'll kind of distract you from what is here or maybe to give you a different definition of what this is. It, it, it's not that. It is that. It's about the words of God. And he, he's encouraging the Thessalonian church saying, good job. Stay in that. This is what it's about. And he's constantly uh, thanking God as a result as he sees this church thriving in the word of God. So I have a real quick question. This is a rhetoric question, so don't answer this out loud or raise your hand or anything. But as you get in the Word, when's the last time you felt weight from the Word of God? When was the last time you opened this up and you, and you read it and you felt, whoa, that's good. I need to be different because of what I just read. I love how Eugene Peterson as he translated the word um, in the, what he called the message, writes about this passage. And so I'm going to put that up on the screen, so I'm going to read it from the screen, so I don't have it in front of me. But it says, and now we look back on all of this and thank God, and I love how Eugene Peterson writes this, a geyser of thanks. Have you guys ever been to Yellowstone? Where you see the old faithful? It's like this really incredible thing. Imagine that, the geyser of thanks. That's how Paul is feeling, this explosive point of praise of thanks for what he sees happening in the church. So when you got the message of God, we preached, you didn't pass it off as just one more human opinion, but you took it to heart. You felt the weight of it as God's true word to you, which it is God himself, right here in these words, at work in you believers. That you just didn't take it as one more human opinion. And I really think that when we tip, get to the word, we, we get tripped up. And so I want to encourage you guys with three things, a challenge that there's three things that trip us up when it comes to the word of God. And then I want to en encourage you that there's four ways that the word can be full in us um, as we go through it. So here's the first of these three things. Um, we pass it off as opinion. We just say, ah, oh, that's just someone's opinion. It's just Pastor Jason's opinion about, about this book. He's just throwing out opinions out there. It's like this, that, and the other thing. It's not, it's not really much here. And so we just come and we listen to some, some guy up here just give some word. He's got this really long string attached to the Bible. It's just distracting. You know, he just gives us his opinion. And so we just pass it off as opinion. It doesn't have weight. It's not really important. God didn't actually speak these words. There's some guys long ago that got together and say, let's write a story. Let's see if we can make it the best-selling book in all history of all time, even to this day. Let's just come up with something really creative. Part of it we can rhyme in. Part of it we can sing. Part of it will make some history. Part of it will make some encouragement. Part of it will kind of predict the future. It'll be great. People will buy into it. It'll be awesome. It's just opinion. 
we trip ourselves up if we just look at this book as just opinion. And I think that's what Paul's talking about too, that you didn't just take it as an opinion or the thoughts of man, but you understood it to be the word of God. But when we look at it as just opinion, we miss it. We miss what God has for us. We miss that in this, everything that we desire, everything that we need, everything that we're drawn to is right here in this word. And you gotta dig for it. You gotta chew on it. You gotta meditate on it. And then we feel the beauty of it come out. We can't just pass it off as opinion. We can't just say, that's just that guy's thoughts or that gal's thoughts or that kid's thoughts or there's a ghost writer in here somewhere that just wrote it for God. Like that's, that's not how it works. That's not what this book is about. And if we get tripped up by that perspective, we miss the beauty and the weight and the goodness that is right here in this word. The second thing we get tripped on is that we stand too firm on an opinion, on any opinion, that we hear something said by someone and we go, oh, that is good. Now that's a good, a good word. It's not the word, it's a good word. And we look at that and we say, oh man, that person, they just, they dropped the mic after that one. Like that was so good. I'm gonna hang out, I'm gonna go out and tell all my friends, I'm retweeting that. I'm gonna put that on TikTok. I'm gonna do whatever else, whatever social media things you use. I'm gonna make sure that I'm gonna write that on a wall in my house. Like that was a good word. And so we hang out and we get ourselves tripped up on an opinion and we stand so firm on that opinion that nothing will ever change it. Like this has to be true. It rhymed and so you know it's gotta be true. And it's, so if it's rhyming, it's true. And so we're just gonna hang out on that. We're gonna put everything on that opinion. And we trip ourselves up because we stand so firm on that opinion that we forget to do one really vitally important thing. Go to the word and say, does that opinion even align with what God has been saying? There's some really good communicators out there in this world. There's some incredible preachers that are so compelling with how they present themselves and they present their thoughts and of the word on a stage. The platforms in our world today from YouTube to everything else is just prolific. It is so easy to get a word from anybody on our planet these days. And some people make it sound really compelling and really true. But if we forget to take what we feel as a, oh man, that sounds so good, but we don't come back to the word to verify it, let's just call it fact-checking that, we're tripping ourselves up. Because we can't only hang out on the opinion of man. We have to look to see if it is the word of God. And in our world, wow, do we get tripped up a lot by the massive amount of information that is around us, that is available in our hand at a second's notice, even to the extent that even as you're talking, some of your phones are picking up what I'm saying, and probably you're gonna get like ads about buying a Bible in, on your phone the next time you open up Amazon because your phone's hearing me talk. It's super creepy, but it's just the reality that is there but are we standing too firm on just an opinion or are we holding it up to the light of the word of God and saying, is this God's word? Is it really the rock, the foundation that I can stand on? 
The third thing that trips us up is that we start, we start with our own opinion. I think this is a big one. I get struck on this quite a lot because I think my opinions are right a lot, to be honest. They're not, but I think they are. I say something, oh, that was like smart. Someone should, you know? And it's just not true, but we get hung up because we start with my opinion. I hear someone else share a verse and I go, I think that's what this means. And then I, I start there. And I'm not saying that you're wrong if that's what you say, but, but I start there and then I just start running from that place and I leave the word behind. I just don't even open my Bible to even think, like, I wonder if that thought in my head is actually valid. Does it even align with what God's word is? Because maybe God shared something with me, spoke to my heart in a way that he wants me to communicate to people. But have I really gone to the word first to see if it even aligns? As a pastor, as we preach, this is a really good evaluation tool. It's really easy, I think, as a pastor to go take you a pastor and like, oh, it's the word. Okay, great. I can do this illustration. I can do that illustration. I can be super funny. I can tell these jokes. These people are going to love this. I can get this really cool testimony. I can show this really cool story. Here's the end kind of point, the thing I want everyone to walk away with. And so I'm going to run after that. And all the while, I can create this really awesome message, this inspiring, this motivational message and never actually talk about the Bible. Unfortunately, that happens more often in the world today. It's sad. And so as a pastor, one of the things is I have the opportunity to preach or teach, whether to students or adults or whomever, my first thing is to always sit right here for a long time. I don't open up a commentary. I don't open up YouTube. I don't go to friends. I don't, I don't go back to past sermons. I don't do anything. I choose verse 13 and I sit on it for hours. I underline it. You can see all my notes. And if you go through this Bible, you'll see all my notes. I sit. This is where I want to start. I don't do it perfectly because sometimes I get caught up in a really good story and a really good illustration. And I start there. But I have to remember, I can't just start with my own thought and my own opinion. I have to start with the word of God. I've got to live and carry on the weight of what it is. Or else I'm just tripping myself up. And as a pastor, as someone who's called to communicate the word of God to other people, guess what? When I trip my own self up, I just see you riding your bike along, and I'm like, get a stick, right in the spokes, and over you go. Have you ever had that happen? I had that happen with my ankle one time. Stuck my ankle, it didn't work out well. It hurt. Um, but I never want to do that. And the beauty of the word of God is God wants to give it to you, but he also wants to use it through you to give to other people. And so starting with the word of God is so essential for us. So think about those three things. Have you been tripped up by any of those three things? Are you tripped up purely by an opinion and passing it off? Are you tripped up by someone else's opinion and you're standing so firm on it? Are you tripped up by just starting with your own opinion and not even going to the word at all from the very beginning? What's holding you back from experiencing the beauty and the weight of what, what is here? And Paul is, is encouraging them. He's praising them for how they're going to the word first. They're not getting distracted. Church, I desire that for you. 
As we all move forward towards the kingdom, towards the promise of what Jesus' return will bring, eternity with God, re- reconciled relationship, I don't want anything to trip us up along the way. And I believe there's a path that we can follow to feel the fullness of the word in us. I believe we see this in Paul's life. I believe we saw this in Jesus' life. I believe that we see this in, in the mentors and the people that we look to in our world that are leading the way. Like, this is what it looks like to walk with Jesus. Teach me how you walk with Jesus, because I want to learn that too. We see it in these people. And there's these four things I want to stand out. If we're going to feel the fullness of the word in our lives, we need to be present with Jesus. We need to be presence, have presence with Jesus. That means we have to step into that space that through his cross and his resurrection, he has opened up for us to spend time with, to go for a walk with Jesus, to sit in that chair, your favorite chair in your house, and just sit with Jesus. Not to unload our list first to say, God, I need all of these things answered by the end of the day. If you could pull it off, that'd be awesome. But just to sit in the presence of Jesus. In order to do that, you see this little word on there, acceptance. You've got to accept the fact that Jesus is, one, wanting to meet with you. Two, that he has created the way, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he has forgiven your sins through what we celebrated through communion. To make that possible. In accepting the beauty in the person of Jesus, you can sit in his presence. Isn't it awesome? The creator of the universe, of all things, the savior of the world is inviting you in any day, in any moment, to sit with him. I love going back to Genesis. After God created everything and, and, and all things are awesome and he's given some instructions to Adam and Eve and, and yet yeah, they made this little mistake with the fruit, which is not little, it was huge. But I believe this, that God wasn't walking in the garden to find them, to put them, to point their finger at them saying, you guys are in trouble. I believe that God was walking in the garden because he wanted to walk with his creation. He came searching for them because he desired to be with them in relationship, to sit with them in a quiet, in a beautiful place. And because of what Jesus did for us on the cross and through the life that he brought through his resurrection, he's inviting us into that space again to be in the presence of Jesus the first mark of a pathway to feel the fullness of God in you is to be with Jesus. When's the last time you truly just sat in the presence of our Lord and Savior? Truly just to to take it in, to kind of drip off of who he is. And then when you read the word, you, you hear it and you receive it differently. The next mark in this pathway to the fullness is uh, receiving the presence of the Holy Spirit, the the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And there's a receptivity part to this. So to to step into this path marker to go, I want to have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit just pour out over me. I'm spending time with Jesus, and I'm going to dive into his word, the word. I want it just to, to feel it. I want it to do something in me. I want to know that it's true. You've got to receive it. Your heart has got to be right. As we prepared ourselves for communion, you were encouraged that the church prepare your hearts from the very, very beginning of the service. 
to make sure that your heart is receptive to what the Spirit wants to speak and do in your life. There's some really just symbolic ways you can do that. Honestly, you're finding that most comfortable chair in your house and you're spending your, in the presence of Jesus and then you just turn and you just open your hands up as a symbol to say, Lord, I am all yours. I'm not holding on to anything. I'm not trying to clench it. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm just opening it up to you. I recognize that you're here and I wanna receive your word and your truth to me. But I think too oftentimes what we do is we start going through that list of the things that we want to see. We start going through our fears. We are going through our anxieties. We start going through all the things that we see in front of us for the day. And we have to start having this conversation where we're doing all the talking with God. And there's a place and a time for that without a doubt. He wants to hear where you are. He wants to hear from you. He wants to understand what you're burdened by. But there's a place that when we can open our hands up and say, Lord, I've got a lot, and here it is. Man, I want to receive from your spirit the wisdom that you have for me. Because as I receive the wisdom, all the anxiety, all the burden, all the fear, all the checklists will start to line up and bring, have a little bit more clarity to it than you've ever had before. Because you're letting and receiving the word of the spirit in you to start interacting and transforming those things that are in front of you. And so that second mark way of this path to fullness, the fullness of the word in you is being open to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and receiving that. And the third one is this, being open to the Father. Sometimes we think about Jesus and we think about the Holy Spirit. We don't talk too much about the Father, that third part of the Trinity, the one who's going to discipline, who's going to correct. It's the hard thing. It's the hard thing. It's like you remember going home to dad and you're like, I did something wrong, and dad's going to, mm, that's the guy, right? You feel the weight of, of going before your father because you know that if you've done something wrong, there's, there's the reprimand and the correction and the discipline that's going to come. And this is tough. If we feel that with our earthly dads, imagine how you probably truly feel if you're really open and aware and honest with yourself, how you must feel before God the Father, and if you've read scripture, you've seen that when his wrath comes, he, he brings it because he corrects those that he loves. He disciplines those that he loves. And that's hard to conceive because like, wait, I don't want to be disciplined. I want to be embraced. I want to be told it's going to be okay. But there's times in our lives when we've come to the word that we have to be challenged we have to be corrected. We have to be disciplined because we're becoming more like Jesus. He's purifying. He's reconciling. He's redeeming us. And sometimes, not, if not all the time, that's hard, hard work. And so are we open to the Father in our lives? And here's a word that we don't like. It's about surrender. It's saying, I can, I'm not going to run I'm not going to fight back. I'm not going to throw punches. I'm not going to say, it's on you. You're God. You should have figured it out. I'm just going to come and I'm going to surrender myself to the Father. I'm going to open my life up to receive whatever you have for me. And so when I dive into the word, I'm not going to get frustrated because it's telling me something I don't like to hear. But I'm going to receive the weight of it going, God, this is hard. 
Father, I know that I need to receive this correction and receive this discipline. It is so hard, but I'm open to it because I know that through the word, you're gonna do something awesome in me. And I want that even more than my own kind of fight or flight mentality. I want that more. And to receive the fullness of your word, to be open to that part of what God's word will do in us is huge. And it's so, so difficult. But we have to take that step in the path to receive and to know the fullness of the word in us. It's huge. And the fourth mark of this path is this, that we are open to the transformation by the Holy Spirit. It's not the transformation of us, of what we do, but as we are open to the Father, as we are receiving the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, as we are, are giving ourselves and accepting the person of Jesus in our life, that we're ready for the transformation by the Holy Spirit. That means he's going to get in us. He's going to get his hands in us, and he's going to start moving things around. You think your duck's in a row? Nope. He's going to say, I got better rows for your ducks than you've ever seen. And he's going to go nuts on it. And he's going to think, you think you've got it all figured out? Well, watch this. And he's going to turn that Rubik's cube in you to places that you never thought, like, how did you just do that? That's amazing. But you've got to be willing to let the Holy Spirit do that transforming work in your life. And this is uncomfortable. Someone wrote a book called, uh, like, Move My Cheese years ago, some leadership book. Like, we get super uncomfortable when people change our rhythms or change our habits. Change is hard, but guess what? Life is all about change. It's going to happen every day of your life. And when you are going after the fullness of the word in you, every moment of your life, God wants to be transforming you. That he means he's going to move your cheese all the time, making you more and more like Jesus. And this is one of the most uncomfortable things. You guys ever had like a massage or you go to a chiropractor? I've been going to my chiropractor for the last few weeks. And I'm telling you, when you have a guy who's bigger than you, you go, I got this. <laughs> and he takes your neck and he's just like, yeah, I can do that. And he's just like talking to you like it's another day. And then he just snaps it. Like, is this okay? Like, should you be doing this? You know, there's a sense of that. We get so uncomfortable with any kind of that change. And imagine that the work of the transformation of the Holy Spirit in your life is a lot of that correction. He's bringing you into alignment with the person of God, the way that you were originally created and what you were created for. And it's so hard to receive that day in and day out. But just like my relationship with my chiropractor, I'm in much better shape than I was 10 weeks ago. I don't have headaches anymore. My back feels better. My shoulders are, are looser. And it's all because of the work that he's doing in, in my body every time I visit him. As we receive this transformation by the Holy Spirit in our lives, when, when we're there, we're receiving that change and that movement to him. But here's the big word, another huge word that we do not like, obedience. When my chiropractor tells me to not sit on my wallet anymore because it's doing this to my spine, I need to listen to what he's doing and what he's telling me. Or he can do all the work in the world and I'm still sitting on my wallet 
which if any of you are sitting on your wallet, it'd be okay to slide it out of your pocket right now. No one's going to notice. But I can, he can do all the work in the world, but I'm still creating the problem by not being and listening to what he has to say. It's the same idea with the Holy Spirit. If we receive this good word from the Holy Spirit, the word of God, and we continue to do nothing with it, if we don't obey what he's saying, our world will never, ever change. We'll never get to a point of understanding the hope that he has for us, the healing that he has for us, the reconciliation of relationships that he desires for us. He never will, will, will never experience what he wants to do through us to see this world change because he wants to use us to be a part of that. We have to be obedient to his word. And then when he looks, it's like, yeah, you're bearing some fruit, but I'm going to cut this one off. I'm going to take that away. And the, some of these branches I'm going to get rid of. Yeah, I know there's some really good leafy things on that, but I'm just getting rid of that for now. For this season, I need to trim you back because I want you to bear even more fruit. And we resist that. If we resist that transforming work of the Holy Spirit, we're missing out on the fruit. We have to be obedient to the word of God. We have to obey it. We have to actually do what it says. When we feel the weight of the word, we have to say, yes, Lord, I will do that. It's hard. I don't like it. It's stretching me. It's correcting me. It's disciplined me. I, it puts me in a place I'm absolutely uncomfortable, but I'm going to run after it because as I run after it, I'm running after you. And as I'm running after you, I get to be with you. And I understand that's what my whole life, my whole creation is about. I want that. So we're obedient to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. That he wait, when he makes that shift in our life, we hold on to it and we continue to live it out and live it out. And when he makes another shift in our life, we live it out and we live it out. When he makes another shift in our life, we continue to live it out day in and day out in every moment, even when it's hard. And so we run after that. We run after the presence of Jesus. We run after the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We run after being open to the Father. We run after the transforming work by the Holy Spirit in our lives to make us more and more like Jesus. And Paul's looking at Thessalonians and saying, yes, you are doing these things. In a world that's chaotic and has all of these crazy messages around you, you are right now thriving. Don't lose that spot. Live in that sweet spot, church. Because this world, the enemy, is going to try to knock you off of that path. Don't let him. Hold strong together as you move forward after what he has called you towards. And let's praise, and I love that. It's that geyser of thanks that Eugene Peterson translated into. That as a result of this work, that as a church, we get to come together, a geyser of praise and of worship to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for loving me so much that you provide for me. Thank you for, for caring for me so much that you carry my burdens. Thank you that, that you, you're doing so much in, in me because you believe in me to do something through me. Thank you so much for disciplining me and correcting me so that I can continue to run after you without anything tripping me up. 
Lord, thank you so much for your word that gives clarity in a confusing conversation of the modern age. Thank you so much that this word, your word, the word, is the best-selling word in all of history. Thank you so much that you've given this word to me, not only in print form, but in digital form, in audio form, in every form. Thank you so much for understanding how this generation works and this world works, that you don't just devoid it from your word, but you've infused your word, the word, into all of it so that we can't miss it if we're paying attention. Thank you so much that there's, there's a place now that your word is transforming this world in such weird ways that you can walk into a Walmart and hear Christian worship music that's speaking the word of God through music over us. Thank you for that. I might go to Walmart again. But think about it. God's doing a great work in chaos. And it's the word that we need to run to. And it's the word that matters. Church, my encouragement to you that as we run forward after everything God has ahead, that we run that pathway, we avoid the things that trip us up, and we hold fast to the word of God as our guiding light, as the truth, as the hope of the world, as the presence of the Almighty with us wherever we go. Let me pray for you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for God's incredible, enduring, your word for us, Lord. Lord, thank you for loving us so much that you gave it to us, that long ago you gave someone the brilliance to be able to put some ink on a page to, to multiply it over and over and over again and make it available to the whole world. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you that you want to change us and transform us, that you want to reveal yourself to us in ways that help us know and understand who you are. So Lord, I pray for the church. Lord, that we will stand firm and we'll be courageous and we will be strong on your promise of the word of God. Lord, that we don't get tripped up just by the chaos around us, but we look ahead, putting our eyes on you seeking the things that are above. And we run after your promise of eternity. And along the way, we shout out your name to make your name known. And we invite people into the journey with us as we believe that your word, the word, is transforming us to be used through us to help others be transformed by you. God, you are good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In your incredible name, amen.